quality of my life is not the quality of the contents of my life, the people and things in my life. It's the quality of my consciousness. So when I'm in a grateful consciousness, a warm-hearted consciousness, I'm in a connected space, anything and everything becomes beautiful. Karma yoga is action without a doer. How can there be action without a doer? It's only when you become the action. It's interesting that in the, in the mythology, Shiva is not an artist. Shiva is not a painter. Shiva is not even a sculptor. Shiva is a dancer. Why is Shiva a dancer, not a sculptor? He could have been anything, right? But he's a dancer. There's a reason for it. Because the painter can be separated from the painting. The sculptor can be separated from the sculpture. But the dancer cannot be separated from the dance. So you see, for Shiva to dance, in that moment, you cannot say, okay, this is the dancer, this is the dance. No, the dance is the dancer, the dancer is the dance. There is this oneness. Which is why Shiva is a dancer. You see, in every situation, it is not a, it is, there is E plus R is equal to O. Event plus response is equal to outcome. Event is only part of the story. How do you respond to it? I play this game. It's called Oh No, How Wonderful. Maybe we can actually play it together. So Oh No is I'll give some Oh No situation. And you have to come up with a How Wonderful for that. Right? So for example, Oh No. The kids' room is in a mess. How wonderful. They're having fun. <laughs> yeah. Or how wonderful. They have many things to play with. In fact, in one session, I said, wonderful. They have a room. <laughs> Not everybody's got a home big enough for a room for their kids. And how wonderful. Because today you're crying about your messy room of your kids. Tomorrow you're going to cry when they go to college. Have you heard of empty nest syndrome? When the birds fly out of the nest. Empty nest syndrome. So tomorrow you will cry. The room is too clean. For the last two months, it's been clean. No one came. No one is there. Different kind of crying. So, oh no, how wonderful. So let me play this game with you. I'm going to give you a few oh no's. And just open your chat. Let's get you to interact a little bit with me. And I want you to give me some how wonderfuls for this. Okay, address it to everybody. So, oh no, I'm stuck in a traffic jam. So what's how wonderful about that? So there are more how wonderful to just be in your vehicle. Yeah, that's true. You see, compared to a person on a two-wheeler, when they see you in a car, they say, how wonderful. I'm here in this traffic jam, breathing all this polluted air. This person's got their AC on. One day, you know, that will be, that, like, look, at the, look at that's wonderful. Right? Then the guy on a cycle looks at the guy in the two-wheeler and says, wow, this person two-wheeler is so good. One day I'll also have a two-wheeler. Right? Then the person who's walking says, wow, this guy's got a cycle. I have to walk everywhere. Then the person on the side of the road with no legs who's begging says, wow, this guy's got legs. You see, for everybody, no matter what you're going through, I never complain about my life because someone somewhere dreams of a life like mine, prays for a life like mine. So this is a powerful attitude, the attitude of how wonderful, no matter what happens, how wonderful. So for example, um, oh no, the electricity bill is very high this month. Means I bought a new AC. Means I bought a new AC, yeah. Right. And there are more answers. Somebody There's says practice answers, the right? rug. In fact, there are many. Divine opportunity for candlelight dinner. <laughs> I was in the Northeast and I said, what is the electricity bill? It's very, very, very high. So they were very happy. I said, why are you so happy? Sir, here is light nahi aati hai. <laughs> There's a lot of electricity cuts over here. So if there's a big electricity bill, we mean this month we got more electricity than usual. You see, in every situation, it is not a, it is, there is E plus R is equal to O. Event plus response is equal to outcome. 
event is only part of the story how do you respond to it there was a a man who had two twins i mean he had he had twins he had two two children same age but he noticed they have very different personalities one of them in everything find something wrong and one in everything find something good so he decided to do a test he said no this is a bit how can it be like this so he decided on their birthday which of course is the same day the one who's always complaining he will fill up his room with presents and gifts and the one who is always finding things good he will put shit in the room piece of shit in the literally actual shit on a little shit in the room let's see what happens now now let, let's see this is a challenge so the first kid enters his room and he sees full of gifts he says oh no so what what oh no what do you what what happened is it so many gifts my friends will be jealous of me <laughs> the second one enters his room and says oh wow <laughs> so what happened why are you so happy there is shit there must be a puppy somewhere <laughs> you see the way of thinking it's a totally different way of thinking the king who also had twins and he couldn't figure out because they're twins so who should be the next king so it's a bit of a challenge now so he comes up with a with a little test so he gives them a very small amount of money so like maybe in today's world maybe let's say 5 rupees right whatever back then was 5 rupees a very small amount of money he says okay you have you have only 5 rupees and by tomorrow morning using only these 5 rupees you have to fill up your entire palace and depending on which of you does a better job of that i will make you the next king 5 rupees what can in 5 rupees how do you fill up a whole palace so the first one goes out he's scratching your head nothing is available for 5 rupees but then he sees a a cart a bullock cart taking the city's dump he says oh city's dump this is all free no one wants it so he tells the guy who takes the city dump take 5 rupees and today instead of taking the garbage all the garbage into the city dump you put it in my palace what are you saying your highness is it not put it in the palace okay fine i don't mind 5 rupees he puts in his pocket and the whole day he fills the entire palace with all the city's garbage the second prince also thinks of something so now the next day the king goes to examine what's going on so from a distance uh he can he's getting some kind of a strange smell so he says son what is the smell oh, come come father you'll be very impressed with me <laughs> what so as he comes closer the smell increases and finally he opens the front door and all the garbage comes and falls on the king king what is this he says look aren't you proud of me i filled the entire palace with garbage just 5 rupees i filled the entire i'm sure my brother couldn't do what i did and his father said oh my goodness what a foolish son in 5 rupees he's destroyed a priceless palace what a foolish son i am anyway he goes to the second one and from a distance slightly a nice smell is coming what is this so as he comes closer his father opens i mean the son opens the front door and he realizes his son for 5 rupees bought a packet of agarbatti incense sticks and lit up one agarbatti in every corner the whole palace is fragrant with the agarbatti smell with the incense smell wow he filled it up with something so subtle so we might be finding the first one very foolish and the second one very smart but we have to realize we are the prince and the palace is our mind now are you going to treat your mind like a garbage truck garbage cart every day picking up all the garbage a good source of garbage is in your daily newspaper <laughs> no matter how good a time we have here today but if i say something very bad about the prime minister 
or about some lower caste. If I say something horrible, right, that the Buddha was better than all this stupid, and I take the name of some other god or whatever, tomorrow it will come in the paper. You watch. It will come in the paper. For sure it will come in the paper. No, that is garbage only, right? What? Of all the things I said, it picked up the one part of my talk that was the most, and, and it's not even their fault, actually. Washington Post, on the same day, did an experiment. On the same day, this never happened, but they decided to do it. On the same day, they came up with two editions of a newspaper. One edition had a headline saying, World Peace Conference happening in Washington, D.C. World leaders are, come, are gathering to discuss peace. And the other edition, same day, says, ghastly murder in the suburbs. Now you tell me which one sold more, which edition sold more. You know which edition sold more. So of course, of course they're going to talk about that. What do you expect? Because they're going to appeal to your basest instincts, right? My mother used to collect a magazine called National Geographic. You might have seen National Geographic TV channel, but it's also a magazine. Originally, it was a magazine. It had a yellow border. I've noticed in my family, as well as other places, other people I know, anyone who collects National Geographic, they never throw it away. It's treated like a book. I mean, you'll throw away the other India Today. I'm sorry if there's any people in India Today. You'll throw away all the other magazines. <laughs> you'll throw away all the other magazines. You'll never throw a National Geographic away. It is better than a book. It's, the quality of paper is so high. The quality of the articles are so high. The photography is so amazing. Right? And I, I remember as a kid pulling out these magazines from years back. And I was moved. I remember one, I was so moved by, there was a piece on Walt Whitman. Wonderful American poet. I was so moved. And Walt Whitman said, don't read my poetry indoors. Get out into the park and read it aloud. I said, all right. So I took this National Geographic and I went to the, I was living in Sector 17, Gurgaon then. And I found this closest park. And in the middle of the park, I'm reading Walt Whitman. People like, what is this young, young man gone mad? But I felt him. I felt the spirit of Walt Whitman. I felt it. I would not have felt it sitting in my study, reading it and forgetting about it. You see, that's how that magazine touched me. My dog's poop would be cleaned with the newspaper from yesterday. That is the value of that newspaper. Why would I fill my mind with stuff that one day old can be used to clean poop? Why would I not fill my mind with the National Geographic? In fact, I, there, was, there was an article in Central Park. I don't, I don't know which year it was. Central Park is this beautiful park in New York City. And I was so moved by that Central Park and the things that happen there and the experiences people have. You know, there are parts of Central Park and I've actually been to Central Park, so I know this. You will not feel that you're in New York City. How is that possible? New York City got such high skyscrapers. But there are, it's designed in such a way, there are parts where no matter how you look, you cannot see a single building. How cleverly they've designed it. Right in the middle of New York City, you'll feel you're not in New York City. That is the magic of that part. So I read that and I was so moved. So a single thought can change your life. But be careful, too many thoughts can chain your life. <laughs> Most of us have become quite conscious of the food we eat. Right. Oh, I have to be gluten free. Oh, this is too oily. Right. And we'll ask a lot of questions, right? When it comes to food, we eat many of us, not all of us, but many of us are quite conscious. Even the clothes we wear, like if you, if today you put on the, you notice, oh, the button is broken. Oh, it's torn. Sorry, you can't wear it. the button is broken. Torn. Oh, there's a stain on it. Oh, the Istriwala hasn't done a good job. You'll not wear it. Right. We're very conscientious about food and clothing, but you know what? You can be happy 
with food that's not completely clean. You can be happy with a button that's broken, but with a thought that is filled with hatred and resistance and anger and fear, you cannot be happy for a moment. So much more dangerous is the kind of thoughts you're allowing inside. So that is actually a bigger deal. So to be conscious of what we are allowing, this is also called Indriya Samvara, conscious. What, what am I allowing into my eyes, ears, smell, taste, touch, and thought? This is actually a much bigger deal. So how about we become more conscious about these things? You know? And like whatever happens, oh no, how wonderful. Oh no, how wonderful. Rule number six, don't take life so seriously. I learned from my teachers. In fact, one of our teachers would make us laugh so much. And literally our stomach would hurt. And we said, why do you make us laugh so much? He said, because when, when you're laughing, your mouth is open. He said, yes. So when your mouth is open, I pop the wisdom pill. It goes right inside. In fact, there was a teacher who was nominated for the best teacher award. And people were surprised because he came from a small district, a small town, a small school. People said, why this man has been nominated for national award for teacher, best teacher? What is so special about him? So they went to study. What is he doing so special? Turns out in his class, he has a very special way of teaching. He will get the kids to play games, do something fun, something playful, some activity. Then he'll clap his hands and they'll all come and sit down, totally straight. And he'll teach for five or 10 minutes. Then again, he'll clap his hands and again, we're playing a game. And again, clap his hand, they come and sit down. So it's become a, he's made the whole teaching process a game. Look back in your own schooling college days and check. Did you not learn the most from the teachers who were most passionate about their subjects? From the teachers who most loved their subject and who made it fun and playful and engaging and made it relevant to your life? In fact, I met a lady in Germany and I said, what are you doing? She said, uh, she said I'm doing a PhD in history. I said, PhD in history. It's very rare to meet people doing those kind of PhDs. Why, why history? She said, actually, I used to hate history. Until in school, we had a change of teachers. A new teacher came in. And he said, take your textbook off the table. Put it back in your bag. Really? But it's history class. No, take it off. Put it back. And he began telling us stories. And then after a few days of storytelling, he said, do you want to go to this place? We said, of course, we'd like to go to this place. And he arranged a school trip to go and see the place where that battle happened, that fort, that whatever. He took us to museums and then we couldn't get back. We couldn't wait to go home and open that chapter in our history book and read more. We couldn't wait to do it. He ignited our imagination. That's the time I fell in love with history. You see, so it's never really about the content. If you're really loving what you're doing, you will convey, in fact, one of my friends actually, he called me and said, Nitya, what do you do? He said, I know you, you know what I do. I teach, I do these programs. I said, no, but what do you do? What are you, what are you asking? I, I, I teach things that inspire people. No, but what do you really do? So he kept asking. And I went to, I thought he, he's getting to something. I kept, I kept going along with him. And eventually I realized, wow, I just show up. <laughs> it's not that I do this or I do that. I just show up. He said, exactly. We don't teach by what we say. We teach by who we are. Right? We teach by resonance. So transformation happens by resonance. You show up. Sri Aurobindo was in prison for uh, the revolutionary methods he used for independence. And in prison, he had a vision. He had a few visions, actually. He had a vision of Swami Vivekananda. 
and he had a vision of Shri Krishna. And he says, my pillow became Shri Krishna. My mattress became Shri Krishna. My prison bars became Shri Krishna. The one tree I could see outside my prison bars became Shri Krishna. My, my warden became Shri Krishna. I was in Shri Krishna. Shri Krishna was in me. What was supposed to be a sentence, a, a, a punishment, became a sadhana for him. And at one point, I forget exactly if he was out on bail or whatever, Shri Krishna told him, Go to Pondicherry. Go to Pondicherry. Go to Pondicherry. Pondicherry was a French, what do you call it, colony. So the British had no control over Pondicherry. They'd given the little, little parts to Portuguese and, and, and the French and all that. So he went to Pondicherry and he stayed there the whole time. So during the entire freedom struggle, Sri Aurobindo lived in one room that's not too big. Uh, he lived in that room. If you go to Pondicherry, you can still see that room. He stayed there. And he would hardly ever leave that room. He would communicate with his disciples through letters. So in fact, Sri Aurobindo's writings are enormous. Because he's written, he's communicated by letters. And at one point, uh, Gandhiji sent his son saying, you know, what are you doing in Pondicherry? Come out, we need you here. There's such a lot to be done. And Sri Aurobindo just said, you know, you work at your level, I'm working at my level. Sri Aurobindo was working at the level of consciousness. Sri Aurobindo had said years earlier, India shall gain independence on my birthday. If you read the history books, India was supposed to gain independence on 14th of August, not 15th. But then due to certain last minute quirks, it shifted to 15th. 15th August is Sri Aurobindo's birthday. He, he had made a sankalpa, the power of a yogic sankalpa. He made a sankalpa. India shall gain independence on my birthday. And then a few days later, he came on All India Radio. That recording should still be, might be found somewhere. He gave a talk to independent India on All India Radio. So he calls this subtle activism. Most of you might be familiar with the activism of, yeah, get out there, talk to the government, you know, talk to people, challenge them, stand up for the right. Yeah, fine, that's fine. But it is like, what can I say? You know, there's atomic power and then there is kinetic power, you know, but there are all kinds of energies, right? So like, for example, I pick up a piece of wood. That wood, yeah, it's got a certain weight. It's got potential energy. So maybe if I tie it to a pulley, it'll pull something else up by, by its sheer weight. That's one level. But then also within it is, is chemical energy. So if I was to burn the wood, it'll have, you burn one piece of wood, it can burn down a whole building. That's the power latent in that wood. But then deeper down, atomic, at an atomic level, it can, it, can, it can power an entire city. And you go even deeper to pure potentiality. That's where universes are born from. Within that wood is all of creation. It takes the whole universe to produce one grain of rice. So everything is within everything. So what level are you operating from? So Sri Aurobindo told Mahatma Gandhi's son, you work at your level, let me work at my level. She, apparently, if you read the, the stories, you know, the, the decisive factor which changed the fate of World War II, the decisive factor, was Hitler's decision to invade Russia first. That was decisive. And if he had gone the other way, if he had decided to go towards Great Britain first, there was no chance. Great Britain had no hope against Hitler's army. So the story goes that Hitler was guided by a dark force. And he would see guidance from it. And Sri Aurobindo disguised himself as that dark force and said, attack Russia first. Who knows if it's all true? It's a fun story anyway. Right? And so... The thing with Russia was definitely weaker than Germany, but what Russia did have was land. So retreating slowly, retreating slowly, retreating slowly, losing millions of soldiers, but retreating, retreating, retreating until the, the deadly Russian winter set in. 
and now it's so cold. Everyone is entrenched. Hitler lost such a lot of resources, such a lot of people, that by the time he could gather himself and attack the other direction, America had woken up and the entire fate of the world war was changed. So who knows if it's true or not, but I just find this fascinating, subtle activism. I did a small experiment, not at sure those scale, but on my own scale. Uh, a few years back, I don't know if you remember the news, there was uh, a lot of attacks happening against Indians in Australia. This happened some years back. There was a lot of racism happening. There were Indians were getting beaten up. So my friend in Australia contacted me and said, Nitya, you know, what can we do about this? I said, let's create a guided meditation, just a short 10 minute guided meditation where we will imagine getting peaceful. We will, we will get peaceful and we will imagine peace in our, in our city. And we will see everyone getting along very peacefully. Now, this, there was a research done by uh, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi's Institute. And they came up with a very interesting formula, the square root of 1%. So according to their research, when, any, when the square root of 1% of a population rises in consciousness, the entire population gets affected. So they had done many, many experiments. The biggest experiment that they did was in Washington, D.C., where they said over a period of one month, from 500 growing to 5,000 people will start meditating. The population of Washington, D.C., 1% and the square root of 1% is about that much, right? So we will increase the size of our meditation. And our hypothesis is violent crime will go down by 25%. So when they told the police chief, this is what we're planning, he began laughing and said, yeah, it'll happen. If there are two feet of snow this summer, Violent crime will definitely go down by 25%. He mocked them. Yeah, what, what nonsense. But people from around the world who practice TM landed up in Washington, D.C. And little by little, over a month, they, um, and you could see them on the streets. You could see them in the gardens. You could see them everywhere. They're sitting in small groups and they're meditating. And they were tracking crime. Violent crime did go down by about 26% that month. And the police chief had no explanation for it. So what, a, what an interesting uh, formula to remember. So like, if you want to change your family, if you want to change your organization, if you want to change your country, figure out the population, figure out the square root of 1% of that population, get together some friends and play the oh no, how wonderful game. <laughs> or basically you get into a heightened level of consciousness and you are impacting the collective. You know, when there's a bed sheet over here, I have to just pinch any one part of it and start lifting. What happens? The entire bedsheet comes with it. I don't pick up the whole bedsheet. I don't have to have like an octopus's hand to pick up the entire bedsheet at once. Not, not required. Yatha drishti tatha shrishti. There was a school in which uh, kids were asked, what's the biggest thing in the world? Someone said elephant. Someone said, no, no, blue whale. Someone said, no, no, the planet is bigger than that. Someone said, no, the sun is bigger. Someone said, the universe is bigger. They kept going. And one girl said, no, my eye is bigger. Your eye is bigger? Yeah, the elephant fits in my eye. The planet fits in my eye. The sun fits in my eye. The universe also can fit in my eye. My eye is bigger than all of that. Wow, what a wise child. This is wisdom, right? So it's the one place we never looked. My teacher used to say, if you want world peace, learn to make the heart still. When the heart is still, the world is already at peace. What evidence do you have the world is not at peace? So we are approaching it playfully by questioning our stories. 
questioning the stories that we tell about the way things are. When I yatha drishti tatha shrishti, when I change my way of looking at things, the things I look at change. I'm not experiencing the world the way it is. So going back to that experiment in uh, Australia, this meditation was circulated. Every day, increasing number of people forwarded this message to each other. They began meditating. And in less than a month, and of course, all these things that you can just go to the police and ask for the reports, violent crime reduced dramatically, more than 25% reduced. So this was my little experiment at subtle activism. Right. So you apply subtle activism, you apply this playfulness, you apply this ability to, instead of trying to change other than change the world, you change your way of looking at things. When I put a blue glass in front of my eye, the world becomes blue. Red glass, the world becomes red. How am I seeing it? We talked about National Geographic earlier. The, the mission statement of National Geographic magazine is celebrating what's right with the world. Mary Oliver, one of my favorite poets says, wouldn't God be disappointed if you're not dazzled at least 10 times a day? Wouldn't God be dazzled? Wouldn't God be disappointed if you're not dazzled at least 10 times a day? One of my teachers, a wonderful Buddhist monk in, in Thailand, got quite sick. He was in hospital. While he was in hospital, one of his lady disciples comes and she starts complaining. While you're gone, the standards have gone down. In the monastery, the monks are not, you know, the cat is away, the mice are going to play. And for one hour, two hours, she went on. This is not happening. That is not happening. The standards have gone down. You're not there. And when she finished, she just asked her a simple question. Do you know what diamonds are? She said, yeah, sure. Do you know what gravel is? So yeah, sure. Why have you only bought me gravel? So as we go through life, are we going like that second prince, the first prince who is only gathering all the garbage, <laughs> the garbage truck? Or are we going like the first prince? You know, the, the Agarbati represents things like gratitude. Things like seeing the best in others. How do you know you have a healthy personality? The more you can see the good in any person or situation, the healthier the personality. The more quickly you can let go of the unwanted, the healthier the personality. And the more you can get along with different kinds of people, with very different ways of looking than you do seeing the world than you do. You have a healthy personality. So let's see. So first one is my ability to get along, my ability to see what's right in any person or situation. My father was learning something called NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. And he was telling us at the dinner table that uh, I've learned something in NLP, that there are two kinds of people. When they enter the room, some people will notice what's there and some will notice what's missing. So my dad said, wow, I realized today I always notice what's missing. <laughs> when I enter a room, I don't see what's there. I see what's missing first. <laughs> it's like a mind training, right? So some people, when they meet you, they'll immediately find what's wrong with you. <laughs> and some will see what's good in you. It's just to notice how interesting. This is called metacognition, to become aware of your own cognitive process. This itself is transformative. So he had a big insight that day. right? So the propensity to see what's right and what can be right, what's possible and what can be possible. This is a healthy personality. To see what's wrong and what can go wrong, this is unhealthy personality. Second one, how quickly can I let go? The ability to let go when unwanted things happen. So when someone says, like, I, I call you an idiot once in the day. And then you repeat that statement 200 times. Nitya called me idiot. Nitya, I think he's only idiot. 
how can you call me idiot you see now now what i called you idiot once you replayed that tape 200 times in the day and 5000 times that year now who is the idiot come on right so how quickly can you let it go like if i call you all of you right now you you all look like caterpillars to me you really look like caterpillars we find that so funny what caterpillar what nonsense because it didn't stick right but when i say all of you look like you know very uh, bad citizens to me or you look very selfish to me then maybe that will stick something how dare you call me that you're not you know, i think you're not patriotic so those things really hurt because somewhere they resonate inside of us it only hurts when someone says something that we secretly believe about ourselves if i call you a caterpillar it doesn't hurt in fact you find me funny the whole session i can call you caterpillar to make no difference in fact you say yeah i'll become i'll become butterfly one day so you actually find something good in that right but if i was to say something else to you if i say you're a very you know uh, you're very you're bigoted you're this and that then again uh, how do you say that how can you say that you're ignorant so how quickly can i let go when an unwanted thing happens there's a lovely tibetan word called shenpa nice word to learn shenpa shenpa means stickiness the opposite of shenpa is rigpa rigpa means openness open intelligence a good a good uh, example of this the sky is like rigpa if i throw dirt on the sky nothing sticks it all falls back on me if i throw daggers on the sky nothing sticks all falls back on me if i throw flowers in the sky nothing sticks all falls back on me so the wisdom tradition say your true nature is like rigpa in fact it is rigpa your true nature is sky like but your temporary nature your superficial nature is shenpa sticky so also always getting stuck i like i don't like i want i don't want notice when someone eats uh, someone got a cake they take one bite oh so good but before they can even consume it and swallow it what's the recipe what's the recipe why do they ask for the recipe what's the recipe got to do with it why could they want to control it i like it so much i want i want to have it every day of my life you see this grabbing so when a pleasant happens you want to grab when an unpleasant happens you want to push when a neutral happens you get bored and pick up your phone <laughs> and that's it these three things this is all our whole life is like we're oscillating between these three things pleasant grab unpleasant push and neutral get bored get restless get anxious get disturbed get confused and that's basically that's the that's the play of our life so once i went to my teacher and i said i'm 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 very doubtful i have a lot of doubts coming up doubt in myself doubt in the teachings and if i'm honest even doubt in doubt in you he said yes the solution for doubt is just to know this is doubt <laughs> I love that. He didn't try to uh, he didn't try to convince me. He said no. Just know this is doubt. Doubt is a aspect of the mind which will arise for everybody sooner or later. And just know this is doubt. That's all it is. Metacognition, the ability to be aware of what's happening now. So to know doubt as doubt confusion precedes clarity. You cannot have clarity unless you've had confusion. To whatever extent you're finding me clear today, to that extent i have been doubtful and unclear in my life it is not possible for me to be clear without having doubted the zen tradition says great faith great doubt great awakening great faith is you believe what your parents say you believe what your teacher says you believe what society says you believe 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 you're playing the good boy good girl and then something happens and you say what the f i mean everything <laughs> i don't know and you start doubting every single thing that everybody said and you just you're just you're just like i don't know if i can believe anything i like look, look i've been living in a matrix what's going on over here but you see that is also necessary it's called the dark night of the soul so great faith and great doubt 
great awakening. It has to happen. Everything that you believe in, you will have to doubt. In fact, the Buddha once in a large assembly turned, he was giving a talk and suddenly without, without explanation turned to Sariputra and said, Sariputra, do you believe what I just said? Sariputra was a right-hand disciple. And Sariputra shocks the assembly by saying, I do not believe what you just said. What? Sariputra doesn't believe what the Buddha said? And the Buddha smiles and says, explain yourself. And Sariputra says, why would I believe it? I know it. <laughs> you don't have to believe something that you know. You only have to believe something that you're not sure of. You see? You believe something for which you constantly need proof and validation. Satya me vijayati says our, you know, in our, in our country, says Satya me truth always wins. In truth, there is victory. What I realized about truth is, truth does not have to be defended. Truth does not have to be propagated. Truth just has to be lived. Truth is asking you to be it and live it, not propagate. Truth can take care of itself. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, the entire universe is based on truth. There's a lovely book, Course in Miracles, which says, that what is unreal does not exist. What is real cannot be threatened. What is unreal does not exist. What is real cannot be threatened. Therein lies the peace of God. Wow. What is unreal does not exist. What is real cannot be threatened. Therein lies the peace of God. In Kashmiri Shaivism, they believe Shiva has expanded. Out of his own will, he has expanded. He's expanded so much that he's taken on strange contours. He's become a mountain. He's become a river. He's become you. He's become a puppy dog. He's become uh, a lotus flower. Shiva has expanded so much into immense diversity. But with expansion comes contraction. So in that maximum expansion, he has maximally contracted. He has forgotten that he is Shiva. So right now, this person thinks he's Nityashanti. He's forgotten that he's Shiva. In the, in the maximum... In the maximum expansion of Shiva, Shiva contracts and forgets who he really is. But that's the game that Shiva wants to play. Right. The Sufi prays to God and says, God, uh, I don't know what to give you. If I give you a flower, it's foolish because you only made the flower. <laughs> if I sculpt something out of a rock and give you, well, you only made the rock. You only made my hands. I don't know what to give you. It's very confusing. So God actually talks to him, son, you're right. There's nothing you can give me. It's quite foolish you're trying to give me something because I've only made all these. Like you're giving me back what I've given you. But let me tell you something I don't have. Really? Something you don't have? What is this you don't have? God says, where I am, there's no confusion. Where I am, there's no doubt. Where I am, there's no envy. Where I am, there's no animosity. Where I am, there's no disturbance. Can you give me that? The Sufi says, wow, I've got lots of that. <laughs> so the next day, whenever he feels disturbed, anxious, sad, confused, oh... God wants a break from being all-knowing. God wants a break from having all the answers. God wants a break from being peaceful all the time. You see, like all of us like to go and have street food once in a while, no matter how healthy you are, once in a while you want to have that pani puri, you want to have that puchka, you want to have that whatever it is that you like to have, pizza, right? You want to have that because you're tired of having being so healthy all the time. So maybe God wants a break. And this is the break he's chosen. This lifetime is a break he's chosen. Let's take a little break. You know, when you win the Olympic gold medal and you go to the after party, you don't say, hey, you also got gold medal. You're... No, we're all Olympic champions. We don't have to compare ourselves. I'm a gold medalist in my field. You're a gold medalist in your field. I can appreciate you. I don't have to compare myself to you. So three characteristics of a healthy personality. First one, the ability 
to see what's good, not only good, to see what's God. If the person who can see God in you is considered worthy of being called Guru. Guru from darkness to light. The more superficially they see you, the more you should be wary of them. Yatha drishti, tatha shrishti. But of course, you don't have to be wary of them. You can see them also as God. Secret agent of God. Right. If it resonates, if, this, if I'm calling you caterpillar, 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 and it's resonating, this is for you to inquire. This is not about me calling you caterpillar. This is about you. How come you're resonating with caterpillar? And I keep saying you're not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. Why are you resonating with it? Something in you to look at. So I've also come as a secret agent from God. This is God playing games with God. For me, life is God playing hide and seek with herself, himself, itself. Shiva is playing with himself. In Kashmiri Shaivism, there are only three things. There's Shiva, there's Shakti, and there's Nara. Shiva is consciousness. Shakti is the play, the reflections of consciousness. And Nara is the self-contained little bubble within all of this that says, oh, this is me. And all are equally valid. Right. So the propensity to see in everyone and everything, Shiva, Shakti, Nara, Shiva, Shakti, Nara. This is just a play. This is a healthy consciousness. The ability to quickly let go when unwanted things happen. In Hindi movies, they say, Saat janmo tak nahi bolunga. <laughs> like ultimate unhealthy personality. Someone says something once, <laughs> this is foolishness of the highest order. Someone came and spat on the Buddha saying you teach nonsense and you're converting, or you're taking away our young people, making them monks. He was an old man. He spat on the Buddha, went away. At night time, this man couldn't sleep. He said, nowhere in the Shastras does it say to spit on someone you disagree with. I went too far. He was a wise man, actually. So next day he goes, and he says, I still don't agree with you, but I apologize. <laughs> what happened? He says, I spat on you. I went a bit too far. That's not done. So will you forgive me? Buddha says, nothing to forgive. So what do you mean? So the man who was there yesterday is not here today. The words that were there yesterday are not here today. The spit that was there yesterday is not here today. You see, in that moment, it was done. So when unwanted things happen, you can say Saad Janmo Tak Nahi Bholunga Bholungi, which is like carving it in stone. Or you can draw a line on sand. So carving it on stone will stay your whole life. Draw a line on sand will stay a few days. Draw a line, line on water will stay a few seconds. And draw a line in air, in space. There's no line. In the Buddha's case, Buddha is living in a way, he draws the line in space. Whatever happens is like in space. Jiddu Krishnamurti called it the path of an eagle. What is the path of an eagle? There is no path of an eagle. It just it, eagle is just eagle. There is no path there. So the ability to quickly let go. When unwanted things happen, unwanted things are medicine. If you're on the right path, right path means what? You're all on the right path. But at least if you're on this inward path, if you're on the path of untangling yourself. See, some of us are here to accumulate. Fine, good for you. Enjoy, enjoy the journey. But some of us are here to empty ourselves. I'll come to you, Devan, just in a sec. I can see your hand raised. So some of us are here to empty ourselves. Right? So like if you have a, have a kitten playing with a ball of wool. So kitten chasing the ball of wool, chasing, chasing, chasing. And at one point, the kitten gets shocked. Why does she get shocked? The ball disappeared. <laughs> because you chase the ball of wool, there will come a point when the ball disappears. The kitten got shocked. What just happened? You know what? There was never a ball. There was only wool. 
So some of us are like that kitten and we are chasing what is this I? What is this sense of self that has got all these opinions and that is so sure about them? And chasing that ball, chasing that ball, unraveling, unraveling, untangling, untangling, untangling. Poof, where did it go? Ah, there is no me having a life. There is only life. <laughs> so forgiveness is realizing what you thought happened didn't. What you thought happened didn't. In Rwanda, there was uh, the genocide in Rwanda. And so many people were killed and massacred. And the prisons got filled up with murderers. And a few years later, the president said, as a poor country, we cannot afford to have millions of people in prison. I know what happened is very unfair, but we have to reconcile. We cannot, we cannot have so many people in prison. So he began a national effort of rec reconciliation. He began training people. If you want to leave, you have to go and apologize to the people whose family you massacred. And the people outside also getting trained, would you be okay with this person leaving? And thousands upon thousands were released they come to the home of the person whose family they've massacred and they seek forgiveness. There was a, there was a series of photographs taken, I think, I'm forgetting the New York Times or the Guardian, and portraits and forgiveness. Women standing next to the man who's massacred their husband and their kids. In some cases, sitting next to them, in some cases, even holding hands. These are ordinary people who have reached that level of forgiveness. Not just one or two of them, thousands of them in an entire country. One lady said, what's the point you're asking forgiveness? I've got no place to live. The man comes back a few days later with his friends, helps build her a house. Another lady said, when I have trouble in this village, I go to him. He takes care of me. If they can forgive those kinds of things, can we not forgive our neighbor who takes our parking lot, <laughs> parking spot, <laughs> or the one who plays loud music? <laughs> Or the one who's got a little different belief system than ours. Come on, guys. Right. So this is just showing us the capacity we have. There was a, there was a Tibetan nun who, uh, I don't know if I'm forgetting if she escaped or she was released. She was in prison for 30 years in Chinese-occupied Tibet. And she comes to Dalai Lama in Dharamshala. Dharamshala Dalai Lama meets her. And her story is heart-wrenching. As a young nun, she's taken from a monastery and she's put into prison. For 30 plus years, she's kept in prison. The whole time the Lama has been out, she's been in prison. And he asks her, at one point in the conversation, he asks her, what are the most, sister, what are the most difficult part of that? Did you face any danger? She said, yes, I faced. There were a few times, it was very dangerous. And her answer was, I almost lost compassion for my captors. This is her danger. Her danger is not all the beating and the torture and whatever else happened to her. There were a few times it was dangerous. I almost lost compassion for my captors. Wow. That is danger. So this is a whole different way of approaching life. Right? So the ability to let go when unwanted things happen. The shamans call this good medicine. That's my phrase for it. When I miss a flight, this is good medicine. When someone criticizes me, this is good medicine. When I mess up, this is good medicine. What is good medicine? It's, it's, it's not medicine for my ego. It's medicine for my soul. What the ego considers good news, the soul consider, considers bad news. What the ego considers bad news, the soul considers good news. Carl Jung, when someone would come and say, I got promoted, would say, if we stick together, we can get through this. <laughs> and when someone came and said, I lost my job, he'd say, let's open a bottle of wine. Something good is going to come out of this. <laughs>
He said, when you approach your true self, it feels like you're, you just lost your wallet, your purse. Why? Why would it feel like that? Because your wallet has two things. It has money and it has credit card. It has, it has, it has money and it has ID cards. Money represents control. ID cards represent your identity. So when you approach your true self, it feels like you lost your wallet. Because both these things start disappearing. The sense of control starts disappearing and the sense of identity starts disappearing. You become more transparent. So now the last part of a healthy personality is the ability to get along with a wide variety of different kinds of people. Not just those who dress like you, behave like you, believe like you. If you only get along with those, you have a very narrow personality. I'm sorry. And get along doesn't mean I have to become like them, but I can get along with them. It's the opposite of what happens on our TV shows nowadays. Everyone's shouting the lungs out. <laughs> Can't even listen. I really respect these yeah, in, in the West, even though, of course, they all have their own viewpoint. But I like the fact that people with totally opposite viewpoints will at least listen to each other, not interrupt each other while shouting. Right? It's a basic level of dignity. Right? I may not agree with you, but I can listen to you. In fact, some of the beautiful, I used to remember watching presidential debates from maybe 20, 30 years back. US presidential debates. They are so such fun to watch. Such beautiful, it's like amazing debates. Such con uh, mastery over the, over, over, the, over the way of delivering the, uh, their speech. So clever, so smart, and so dignified, you know, beautiful. And they'll, they'll even poke at each other, but through wit and through beautiful facts. This is amazing. Loved it. So coming back to this, can I get along with a wide variety of people, even people very different from me, different viewpoints, different dress sense, different dietary choices, different uh, worldviews. The more I can get, get along with a wide variety of different kinds of people, the healthier my personality. If I only get along with those like me. Uh, uh, Max Mueller used to say, to know one is to know none. You don't know what it's like to be Indian unless you leave India. When I went to Thailand, my teacher kept saying, why do you keep saying no all the time? I said, I'm not saying no. He said, no, your head is going like this. That is, we, we don't even know as Indians. We shake our head. We say, this is up for us. Yes. It's like, what? You don't even know you do that until you get out of India, right? There are so many things we do. We don't even know that that's an Indian thing to do until you leave, right? So you don't know what it is to be Indian until you leave India for a while. So you don't know these things. It's too close. It's, it's, it's caught up, right? So the, the juxtaposition of different points of view. We only know ourselves through the eyes of others. In Africa, they're saying, I see you. And the other person says, I'm here. I see you. I'm here. In other words, I'm only here when you see me. But what are you seeing in me? Yatha drishti, tatha shrishti. What I see in you, I evoke in you. One of my friends had a habit of, uh, when he takes a rickshaw, Whatever the rickshaw guy asks for, my friend gives him double of that. So one time he did this and the rickshaw guy said, sir, you are giving It's 200 rupees, you are giving me He said, no, no, I'm giving you on purpose. Why? Give a free ride today. Give someone a free ride today. Give someone who's old or sick or weak or whatever, or just for it, just give them a free ride. How do you know a free ride? How do you know? How can you trust me? How do you know I'll do it? It doesn't matter. If you don't want to give, don't give. I trust you. And my friend smiles and walks away. And this rickshaw guy is stunned. My friend comes back half an hour later. The rickshaw guy is still waiting there. I didn't say for myself. <laughs> he says, come, I'll take you home. He says, but I didn't say for myself. He says, no, come, come with me. So when they're going in the rickshaw, the guy says, Sir, you've touched my heart. Every day, people are so Police ko bulate hain, 5-10 rupay ke liye itna gali dete hain. 
आपने तो मुझे डबल दे दिया और कह दिया किसी को टेक समवन फॉर अ फ्री राइड एंड आई वाज एम्बेरस्ड टुडे ऑफ ऑल द टाइम आई हैव फॉट विद पीपल फॉर मनी ऑफ कोर्स आई हैव टू मेक मनी आई एम अ रिक्शा मैन बट आई फॉरगॉट द रीजन आई राइड माय रिक्शा इज आल्सो टू हेल्प पीपल टेक देम इफ देयर इज एन ओल्ड पर्सन अ सिक पर्सन व्हाट इज माय प्रॉब्लम इन गिविंग देम अ लिफ्ट व्हाट स्टॉप्स मी फ्रॉम डूइंग इट इन फैक्ट देयर इज अ रिक्शा गाय इन 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 अहमदाबाद एट द एंड ऑफ द राइड देयर इज नथिंग टू पे there is no bill you can pay whatever you like you paying it forward he said your trip was paid for by the previous customer and his rickshaw is still running after years he had run on a gift economy model so anyway my friend said that this rickshaw guy was so moved he said aapne to bhaiya dil chhu diya aaj mar and all those people over the years shouting screaming trying to convert him threatening him no change happened connection before correction if you want to change someone connect with the heart first see the beauty in them first best of luck changing them from a mental point of view nothing going to happen they're going to get more entrenched uh, i would ask to the kid who is more powerful the sun or the wind in fact there was a competition who is more sun and the wind were deciding who is more powerful so they said okay there's a guy walking with a coat let's get him to get take his coat off so wind said i'll blow so hard poor guy's coat is going to get off so wind blows harder and harder i mean so hard literally trees could get uprooted but this guy just holds the jacket tighter <laughs> jacket doesn't come off the sun just gets warmer and warmer and warmer and the guy automatically takes the jacket off how beautiful is that so you see in an indirect way like shriyorobindo did in an indirect way the transformation happens all these three things i said if you want to have a healthy personality and yes a playful personality a joyful personality yes effortless personality as well then apply these three things first to yourself our biggest enemy is usually ourselves the reason we don't get along with others is we don't like ourselves if you really got along with yourself and you found all parts of yourself acceptable adorable even cute you would have no problem with this world i tell you we have problems with this world because we are projecting stuff onto people and governments and individuals what we have not embraced within ourselves some years back there was this uh, politician Who got in trouble? He'd gone to the men's room, and he was, you know, you know, even in India, you have these dividers, but they're not, they don't go all the way to the floor. So you can see the other person's feet. So he was using his feet to touch somebody other other guy's foot. This is like a gay thing to do. You touch your feet to the other person's feet. So he was caught for this. This is illegal in the U.S. Turns out he's a politician. His whole life, his career is he's been built on ending homosexuality. This is called the shadow. what you're most against that is there in you this is not only for him this is for all of us whatever we mostly khatam karo khatam karo wo hamare jeevan mein chal raha hai like one person said how can that be true my wife has been my wife is late it's been 30 years every day she's late i tell her get ready on time she's late i'm not late i'm always on time it's not true that's my shadow i say you're so late 30 years you've not understood your wife <laughs> you're so late at understanding her oh my goodness you know the movie that eight o'clock If you tell her that eight o'clock, she will only be ready by eight thirty. What stops you from telling her the movie that seven o'clock? Then she'll be ready by seven thirty. Then you can enjoy the movie. But you are so late in understanding your wife. You see, it's always like that. What I'm projecting onto others, somewhere inside me, I've not accepted it. So step one is when you look in the mirror, the highest in me. This is Namaste. The highest in me bows to the highest in me. In other words. the divine in me the shiva in me the shakti in me recognizes the divine the shiva the shakti and the nara and the confused broken person in me all of it all three 
a lovely thing I learned recently is I look at myself in the mirror and I say, Nitya, no matter what you've done, yeah, just for today, just for today, what if there's nothing wrong with you? <laughs> so I give myself open license just for today. I know you're messed up in many ways, but just for today, what if there's nothing wrong with you? What a powerful thing to, what a gift to give myself just for today. What if there's nothing wrong with you? So to see what is good, to, to let go of what is not good. Eleanor Roosevelt would say beautifully, she said, she defined her life wisdom in three sentences. Empty what's full, fill what's empty, scratch where it itches. I love it. Empty what's full, fill what's empty, scratch where it itches. What does it mean? Gandhiji said the biggest danger after independence is heartless intellectuals. Biggest danger. So empty this intellect. You know, in Tibetan Buddhism, we say when two, when two uh, yogis meet and they disagree, one of them is not a yogi. When two scholars meet and they agree, one of them is not a scholar. <laughs> Because intellectuals will always disagree. That's what intellects do. Intellects disagree. Intellects will do vigatan vibhajan, vigatan vibhajan, analysis paralysis. Right? They keep separating. We have that's why the brain has got this left and right brain hemisphere. So intellectuals disagree. Scholars will disagree. If scholars agree, one of them is not a scholar. If yogis disagree, one of them is not a yogi. So the ability to quickly let go when unwanted things happen. So how quickly can I forgive myself? Throughout the day, yes, I'll say stupid things. Maybe I've gone above my time now. Maybe uh, Apana wants me to stop and take questions. Fine. But this is the way it is right now. This is the flow that's coming right now. And let it just complete itself. Right. And so I forgive myself. Forgiving. This is what's happening right now. And finally, to get along. You know, I'm not one person. You may call me Nitya Shanti, spiritual teacher, whatnot. No. I'm also a friend. I'm also uh, someone who likes board games. I'm also someone who can uh, maybe get irritated with my mom sometimes. I'm also someone who is very bad at uh, filing my taxes. I, I wait till the last minute and then it gets stressful. I'm all of those things. I'm a village. I'm not one person. And if you're honest, you're also a village. So to get along with my sub-personalities. This is a community here. If you want peace in our country, let's start with peace over here. You want peace in your country, but you don't have peace over here. What is that peace? It means nothing, right? To the extent I am peaceful, my family is peaceful, my community is peaceful, my world is peaceful. That's how real peace happens. That's what Sri Aurobindo was talking about, subtle activism. Empty, fill what's empty, empty what's full. Scratch where it itches. Scratch where it itches, yeah? So be real, right? Be authentic. Talk about what's really going on. In my, in my session, I said, let's be real. Let's not pretend to be spiritual over here. Let's be real. You put on your spiritual mask, now suddenly a lot of things are off the table. Get real. And when it's real, everybody can get real. And that's when real transformation can happen. So my first question is, I always observed, like I have controlled my mind and not control what not to think anything. Yeah. But I am not every time possible, not anytime I am possible because anything I have in my mind. Yeah. Okay. So is it possible practically to not think or... So yeah. just I, just every, all of us can try this right now. Uh, I want you to notice very, very carefully. I want you to notice the different sounds you're hearing wherever you are right now. So for the next few seconds, notice that. 
all right i could notice some children playing and the hum of my laptop and a very faint hum of the fan and i noticed i don't know about you but in order to notice that i had to mute my thinking <laughs> if i was thinking of what i'm going to say to you next i could not have noticed those things at least momentarily may not be perfect but momentarily so devansh check is it true that for the time you were listening you muted your thinking yes isn't that true right yes if you do it if you could do it for one or two seconds you can definitely train yourself to because the thing is right now you can hear my voice you know why you can hear my voice because there's not a rock band playing behind me if i if i was a news uh, reporter in a rock band you'd be kya keh rahe ho bas lips hil rahi hai i'm only hearing the music in the background you can hear me right now because there's a background of silence good so there is always a background of silence when you hear a rock band there's a background of silence when you hear an aeroplane a fighter jet there's a background of silence no matter what's going on in your mind there is always a background of silence so it silence is not something you achieve silence is what you are right but we get hypnotized by the content of our experience we get hypnotized by the things right so i am awareness and all this arises within my awareness so i am the sky all of this is weather so not only is it possible it is it is the fundamental truth of life that you will not have a thought without a background of silence on which this thought is appearing only thing is we become used to identifying shenpa stickiness we get stuck with the content of our experience instead of being with the background of our experience the whole point of spiritual practice is to become familiar with that and to rest as that so my second question is always try to think positive but mm-hmm. uh, other real life problems when it comes we go completely negative ye ye kya chal raha hai ye we hamesha hamesha yahi hota hai ye to iska kya solution what solution for it yeah good very good there are four levels of consciousness so there is tamasic rajasic satvic and nirgun four levels of consciousness so in in, in english you would say Uh, very simply translated would be like a victim consciousness don't want don't want don't like don't like don't like not like so what you call negative thinking would be if i constantly not good enough i'm not good enough you're not good enough the world is not good enough this would be what you call so called negative thinking victim mindedness if you focus on always what you don't want don't like don't want don't like pushing 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 or feeling dis- disappointed i didn't get what i want that is called tamasic it's the lowest level of consciousness second one is called rajasic when i focus on what i want yeah i want that job i want to marry that person i want to have that kind of life experience i want to go to that country i want to make this contribution so called positive thinking or i prefer to call it possibility thinking so it's a much better place than the first one however this also has a problem it is putting it in the future so when this talk goes well and all of you tell me what a great talk it was then i'll be happy right when i get become a world famous person then i'll be happy when something happen then i'll be happy when i touch a million lives then i'll be happy so when this is again i'm doing it for something so and then if i ask and then 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 what will happen so then a lot of people like nitesh and a lot of people like your talk then what will happen or oh, then they'll be at peace and then what will happen or oh, then i'll feel so fulfilled and then what will happen so basically i'm trying to feel a certain way i'm trying to feel fulfilled contented happy peaceful i'm actually doing all of this for myself let me be very honest about it let me not try to pretend to be a big social worker or something super super selfish but i'm doing it in a way that is very unpredictable i don't know how my talk will land on you some of you will like it some of you already left who knows right that's not in my hands all i can do is show up so that's out of my hands so how about satvik is 
I forget about the results. I come from this consciousness. I'm not doing things for happiness, doing things from happiness. Not doing things for peace, doing things from peace. Not doing things for joy, doing things from joy. So if my intention for this talk is that if you guys get a different perspective, you guys become more relaxed and playful with your life, then I need to be more relaxed and playful in this moment. To the extent I'm relaxed and playful and chill, chances are you will be. And even if you're not, it's okay, right? So that is the third level of consciousness. So whatever you're trying to be positive about, whether it's a job or whether it's a, uh, something to happen in your life, you ask yourself at the end of it, how will I feel? Can I feel that now? Can I feel that now? Even for one second, I bet you can. And then you practice that. My teacher said, never prepare your content. Prepare your intent. How beautiful is that? Don't focus on where you, the priority is not where you're going. The priority is where you're coming from. How powerful is that? Not coming from in terms of history, coming from in terms of consciousness. Where am I coming from? And even beyond Satvik is Nirgun. Like right now, I invite all of you. Just be present with me. Eyes can be open. Just be present. What you're hearing, what you're seeing, what you're feeling. Amazing. So in the last few seconds, did you think of your name? Did you think of your uh, bank balance? How much money is there? Did you think of your age, your gender, how many people in the family? Uh, did you think of uh, your six pack abs or lack of? Like I, I like to say I've got one pack ab. <laughs> did you think of any of these things? Chances are you didn't think of any of those things, but were you okay? Chances are you were just fine. In fact, you're probably better than fine. Now, in a different way, I'm going to say, I took away your name, I took away your gender, I took away your nationality, I took away your religion, I took away your family, I took away your money, I took away all of these things that you believe are core to your identity or to your, to your beingness. And yet you are not only okay, you are more than okay. So this is called Nirgun. Some of you are logging in from your phones. Some of you are logging in from a Windows computer. Some from a MacBook. Some from something else. But you're all logging into the same meeting, right? Someone using one network provider, another network provider, but you're all here, right? Someone came from a physical meeting. They came in a car. Some came in an Uber. Some came by bus. Some came by train. Some came by plane. Some came in chappal. Some came in high heels. But when they entered, they all entered bare feet, right? That temple, they all entered bare feet, right? So at the end of it, you have to get nanga. You have to get naked. Anything less than that, you cannot enter. Like you knock on heaven, the door of heaven. And the voice says, who's there? You say, it's me. It's Nithishanti. Sorry, there's only place for one here. You have when the when when you knock and you realize and the and the voice says who is there and there's no answer. Literally there's nobody there. That's the only time the door opens. You have to become nothing to uh, to access everything. And nothing is not some exalted spiritual state. Right now, if you're honest, you're completely naked. What do you own? What do you have? Nothing. What do you really have? It can be taken away from you in a snatch, in a second. Alexander the Great was asked by a naked fakir, who do you think of yourself? He said, I'm the emperor. What do you mean, who do I think of myself? <laughs> so the fakir said, but what if you're thirsty? What if you're in a desert and you're thirsty and I have a bottle of water? What will you give me? I'll give you a few gold coins. I don't care for your gold coins. I'll give you, uh, I'll give you lots of wives. I don't care for your wives. He kept increasing. I'll give you half my kingdom. And the fakir began laughing. Oh, half your kingdom, half your kingdom. If I wait a little longer, you'd give me your whole kingdom. 
<laughs> and Alexander the Great had to admit it's true. If he's that thirsty, he might be willing to give up his entire kingdom for that for that bottle of water, that glass of water. So what are we really on? It's a joke, right? So just relax. Kashmiri Shaivism, I, I mentioned it a few times. I just love this tradition. It's, uh, I was asking one of the teachers, so then what is, if everything is Shiva, if everything is already that, because you see the way it's different from normal Indian spirituality is, normal Indian spirituality says there is Maya. This is all illusion. It's all the great illusion. And we are lost in this Maya. We have to wake up from the Maya into Brahman, into the true nature. And Kashmiri Shaivism says there is no Maya. Everything is Shiva. So right now, whether you agree with me or not, like this or not, this is all Shiva playing with Shiva right now. So then I asked this teacher, then if that is the teaching, if it's all Shiva, if it's all God, if it's all absolute, if it's all true, then what is left to be done? So he said, relax and be spontaneous. <laughs> relax and be spontaneous. Enjoy, in other words, enjoy. And enjoy also the disagreements and all, enjoy also the inner conflict. Enjoy it all. This is Shiva playing. Okay, Shiva, you want this? Like that Sufi says, oh, you want to be, dis you want to be dis disappointed today? Enjoy the disappointment. Enjoy the heartbreak. Enjoy it. Metacognition. You've shifted to a higher gear. It doesn't affect you anymore. So the, the deeper answer to your question is you are stuck on level two. The positive thinking is only level two. There are two, two more gears beyond this. At least two more gears. Maybe more than that. So you can get, get into Satvik gear, you can get into Nirgun gear. Yeah, it's all right. Where you are is just fine. I could not get the difference between spiritual and real. I mean, for me, spirituality is... Uh, is there a difference? I don't even think of it as a difference. I mean, spirituality is uh, curiosity about our true nature. That's the way I see it. For me, religion minus fear is spirituality. Spirituality plus fear is religion. Religion is some very tight boxes of what you should and shouldn't do. The inner essence of all religion is spirituality. So it is the direct, for me, spirituality is the direct encounter with reality, not through concepts. That could be a subtle distinction, perhaps. Yeah, Namaste, Nityaji. Um, my apologies in advance because mine is not really a question. Maybe you can get the question out of no, the jumbled thought that I have. Share your observation or whatever you want to share. No worries. Right. You talked about missing fat, you know, and uh, I can, you know, relate with it so much. I'm someone who has missed um, starting from flight, train, buses, rickshaw if possible. I haven't because, you know, that you can probably call and get it. Um, so I'll just narrate one incident. I was, uh, this is what I think my third or fourth trip abroad. And I missed my flight from Paris to Venice and had to take a 17 hours uh, bus journey. So every time I talk to someone, you know, uh, and I narrate this incident and I say the beautiful journey that I had, the places I got to stop by and see, the people I met, uh, you know, and at the end of the incident, I would see people pitying the incident saying that, oh, my God, you missed the flight, how difficult it was, and just bypass the whole incident, the whole, you know, the story, the, the reason why I narrated the story. And... Somewhere it becomes, they get the headache and they look at me in a weird way thinking, why weren't you stressed? And even today I have this logic where I say that, okay, if I miss my flight, that's all right. It's not the end of the world. I, you know, probably get something or I'll not travel at all. Uh, so when you talked about, you know, that, okay, let go of things, you know, how to make sure that the others don't take your stress uh -huh. for the things that, for which you're not worried. Uh, so as I said, it's a 
the thought maybe you could just you know uh, say something about it you know you you're halfway there now also let go of wanting them to be different <laughs> I mean, let them. Why? Why do you assume that they should not be stressed? I mean, that see, your your true nature is seeing the beauty in that, seeing the opportunity in that, seeing the, uh, yeah, that that there could be something good in this, or maybe this is just what has to happen. And their true nature is worrying right now. It may, may not be forever, but right now it's worrying. And let them, let them worry. And in in a way, it's like I I always say. I was talking about taxes the other day, right? A little while back. I tell my mom, "Thank you, mom, for worrying about taxes. I don't have to worry about it." My mom says, "Oh, you haven't paid this tax. This has to be done." Oh, I say, "Ha, mom, thanks. Thanks for your worrying. I can be chill." <laughs> so, thanks to people in your life who are worrying, you can be more chill because they worry. What are you worrying? You show that you haven't done again. Come on, look at this. This has to be done. Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. So it's okay. You know, we all, uh, all the states of there are twenty-two thousand words for traits in the English language. Traits are things like rude and arrogant and loving and generous. Twenty-two thousand words like this. If you understood the word I just said. you are that <laughs> you are all traits but what you focus on expands the person who habitually worries about your flight in a moment of real crisis you might be shocked to find that they are actually not worrying they are actually very calm unexpected things can happen like that it's not always true that the worrier will always worry in certain situations like have you noticed sometimes someone you didn't even consider to be a close friend but when a big challenging event happens they show up when everybody else doesn't show up like oh you showed up i didn't expect you to show up so it's unexpected it is strange how this works a fantastic book is man search for meaning by viktor frankl psychiatrist who was put into the concentration camps he talked about how young fit people would die out of disappointment and heartbreak and old sick people would survive shouldn't be happening it's the opposite of what you expect so i would say just be in a state of curiosity and wonder and i would say i don't think it's required to change them and in your it it actually you see it looks you thought it's about them changing it's actually what you going deeper into your let your value is letting go right not theirs now you go deeper into your value my prescriptions for others were always meant for myself it's a quote by one of my teachers my prescriptions for others were always meant for myself if i'm telling them don't worry then i shouldn't worry about their worry and that's me going deeper into my own when i practice my values fully this universe is in, is at complete peace this universe is actually heaven but when i impose my values on others i project my values you should you should you should in that moment this universe comes into disarray how to overcome fear of failure in my life you know i don't believe in overcoming things i believe in getting interested in them like i don't i don't teach fearlessness i teach curiosity so yeah so what will happen so what will happen if you like i'll i'll, I'll give you my own example when i began teaching i noticed an ambition arise in me i want to be a very good teacher I want to be a very inspiring teacher. I want to help a lot of people. <laughs> I want to support them in having a better life. And so a kind of ambition arose in me. Even if even if you call it a spiritual ambition, it was definitely an ambition. And also because I've been in the spiritual circuit for long enough to know that lots of shady things happen. <laughs> lots of people will be nice and charismatic and take your money away and nice and charismatic and you know take other things away from you your inner at least your innocence away. And I said no no I don't want to be like that. I want to be a good teacher. I want to be a true teacher. So right away the moment that came up I noticed a contraction came up cuz now the fear comes up oh what if i don't what if i also become proud what if i also take advantage what if i also become money minded well, then what and this kind of began growing systematically and i said oh this is something not right so i said all right so how bad can it get so there's a teaching in the greek tradition which says run towards your fears i said let me run towards my god what's the worst thing that can happen so i close my eyes and i visualize myself as the most degenerate most horrible spiritual teacher in the world So I am 
taking advantage of my female disciples i am taking all their money away i am doing every i am you know totally every single word that comes out of my mouth creates more con- confusion and more uh, prejudice into people's minds and as i did that instead of feeling bad about it i was shocked to find compassion arose in my heart i said oh my goodness it takes a million such teachers for there to be a buddha the word buddha has no meaning unless there are a million such teachers why do i always have to be the buddha why can't i be the buddha what is this attraction to always being the buddha buddha has no meaning without a buddha right ordinary people want to be famous famous people want to be legends if you having one viral video is not good enough you have to have many many viral videos one hit film is not good enough you have to have many many hit films so famous want to be legendary legends want to be wise and the wise are content to be ordinary and that's why they're wise it's full circle so what are we so afraid of the so called failure read books of the most successful people you know they have embraced failure they have not overcome failure they have welcomed failure bring it on i met you know yatra.com i was doing a session for them and the founder tells us how he getting out of college had a business idea he got his friends and his father to invest his life savings in it it failed father said son try again second business failed third business became yatra.com multi million dollar business but what a what a father who being a normal government employee having saved diligently carefully over years tells his son son try again this is amazing right so those are the kind of people that we look up to those who say go ahead and fail son go ahead and fail daughter it's okay i love you anyway try this that's a different level of trust in people uh, prakash tandan who used to be heading hindustan lever was a family friend of ours he told us about once in fact his book said it he'd gone to a plant one of the hindustan lever plants and uh, while he was in the plant manager's office a call came that some event had happened on the factory floor production had shut down he said mr tandan please wait i'll just go and fix it he said no stay here no no the 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 the, the production is shut down i need to go and see so i want you to stay here he forced him to stay there you know what he was teaching him you're running every time when something breaks down when will you empower other people to be leaders i want you to stay let them figure it out yeah they may get it wrong it's no problem this is how your job is to create leaders not to expect them to look up to you all the time so in other words prakash tandan was saying let them fail let them fail forward they will fail and they will learn and they will fail and they will learn in our willingness to allow ourselves and others to fail we show true love we show true belief right so it's okay to fail please go ahead in fact fail more <laughs> i really enjoyed the talk and you know one uh, point that you touched upon was the individual and collective consciousness so my question was about the individual being and the collective consciousness because given all the conflict we are seeing around us especially in india uh globally as well how do we impact the events collectively you know if one wants to meditate or get together or try to elevate one's vibrational energy because most of us are too busy trying to sort ourselves out internally some of us we are pursuing the idea and i think you touched upon it maybe not very specifically but about you know am brahmasmi or am brahman but you know given all that we are going through how do we impact the collective consciousness you know i would just be very interested to hear your thoughts on it uh, thank you mohit You know it's interesting when I was thinking of today's talk and sometimes I get a kind of an intuition of what I have to speak about and somehow the only thing that came to me is the word ancestors 
ancestors, ancestors. It's like Nitya bring up the ancestors. I haven't brought them up until this point. I've got to bring them up now. So behind me are my mother, my mother and father. Behind them are their mother and father. Behind them goes on and goes back to I don't even know how long, right? So I'm not just one person. I am the the wave, the visible wave on an ocean of consciousness. So. Of course, we say, yeah, my skin color is because of both my parents, my eye color, my hair color, my nose, shape of my nose. But not just your physical characteristics, your inner terrain as well. Have you noticed? Certain communities are very good at business. Certain communities are very creative. Have you noticed this? Certain, like we say, like I say, diamond business. Two people do diamond business: Jews and good Jews. diamond business that's basically diamond empire of surat and the rest of the world right <laughs> so so it's actually very interesting certain kinds of communities will become specialized at certain things like uh i can't take full credit for if i'm speaking reasonably well my father used to be a trainer and teacher right so somewhere it's come who knows this may be a genetic thing who knows where it's coming from right so we are the leading edge of this incredible So in other words my body is as old as the universe my body is all my ancestors here all their life experiences here my consciousness is as old as the universe so right now already i am collective consciousness do not think of yourself as individuated consciousness it doesn't take just go into your dreams right away you touch collective consciousness just go into your mind wandering right away you go into collective consciousness you're constantly in collective consciousness and the ripples i create as i meditate it's not like oh it's me meditating now what do i do next you like we talked about the square root of 1% when i meditate like i noticed this when i was first teaching i was teaching a bunch of children i was teaching them anapanasati breath meditation i was made a children's course teacher when i was 18 years old teaching meditation breath so there was another teacher observing me and he said to me back then my name was harsh he said harsh i noticed you're talking to them about peace but as they're getting distracted and as they're talking to each other and as they're not listening to you you are the opposite of peace you're getting agitated <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about peace you're talking about let's be calm let's be peaceful but your voice is not showing peace and at the wow that's true good observation i was getting i was getting tense in teaching them peace because i felt they were not listening to me they were getting up they were opening their eyes he says you just be peace you forget about them you just be peace and then those who have to be peace will be peace and those who are not just let it so far one of the best thing that i've ever heard So since then I'm not that concerned about collective consciousness. I am just fixing you know who who what evidence do we have that this consciousness is not collective consciousness? Right now I'm imagining I'm talking to all of you. So somebody standing there I'm like a crazy guy sitting on a couch and just talking into air for like an hour plus. I'm a crazy dude. <laughs> It's an imagination that all of you are there. I don't even know where you are. I have never experienced the external world. I've only experienced my ideas about it. Right? So your duty is in your local you are the god of your local universe. You are different from every other creature in your local universe. There was a man who prayed to Lord Shiva for for many many decades. Please appear, please appear, please appear. He did not appear. Then he came in the dream and said tomorrow I will I'm pleased with you. Tomorrow I will appear to you. Really? How will I recognize you? I will be the headless one. I will be the headless one. Ah. So the whole day he's waiting who's the headless one? Is it a dog that's headless? Is it a man that's headless? A woman that's headless? who's the headless one he's very confused there's no headless one until he looks at both his hands and he traces them back to find oh my goodness shivoham shivoham i am the headless one chidanand rupam shivoham shivoham what he was looking for outside this was shiva playing hide and seek all along 
you are the only creature in the known universe without a head you can imagine your head you can project your head but you don't have a head you don't have a head it's true you can't see your own face right now at a distance what appears like a face if i take that further away it becomes a body take that further away it becomes a building it becomes a city it becomes a galaxy if i look at a galaxy that galaxy sees me as a galaxy if i see you as a human you see me as a human if i zoom in and i see your cells now cells are communicating with each other if i see myself as subatomic particles i see then we are subatomic particles communicating with each other so my perception of you is nothing but me i'm only projecting on you what i believe about myself i have never experienced you so there's no such thing as individuated consciousness and collective consciousness there only is this one and any ripple in the one goes ripples out non locally to all existence so no this course of miracle says no upset is too small and no gratitude is too again too small right the smallest gratitude ripples across the the smallest sense of surrender <clears throat> and openness your whole universe became surrendered and open and you became upset and angry the whole universe became angry because you are that you are the universe experiencing itself you're not li- you're not living a life you are life this fundamental collapse will happen as you go along right now it may seem like concepts it's going to become true for you it's going to become true why because it is true it is only a slight hallucination that keeps us away from that right so i would just say mohit that whatever you know whatever your prescriptions are for the collective consciousness you just apply them you just live them you just be them and the collective consciousness is non locally and timelessly benefiting from that you are creating grooves on the infinite collective being so when you are talking of collective consciousness can your inner peace also impact the others especially the ones who are close to you family and friends well and if you're non especially if they are aggressive people yeah if your non peace can affect them your peace can also affect them my 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 friend raman khosla uh, was a, a gold medalist from nimhans psychiatrist and uh, he told his parents i want to become a a, a meditation teacher they said what meditation teacher you're a, you're a psychiatrist why do you want to become you you've trained psychiatrist you can meditate on the side if you want but don't become a meditation teacher so there was a conflict in the house raman said he never tried to convince his parents he would just sit in his room meditate and at the end of his meditation whatever little peace he had he would spread that peace throughout the home and saturate his parents with peace his father then passed away recently his father was an industrialist so father comes home one day and said i am very amazed that someone like you can get so caught up in this meditation business i want to go and experience this meditation what is it so he goes this particular style of meditation is called vipassana so he goes for a 10 day vipassana course and at the end he realizes there's something here i understand what my son is liking here so he blesses his son and then raman went on to become a meditation teacher who i met when i was a teenager and he gave me a lot of guidance and clarity and that enabled me to do what i do today right so in other words it is him not fighting with his parents it is him he wanted his he wanted to teach peace he became peace of course it's going to affect your family there's no question about it i don't even understand the question here your life experience tells you every single moment mine is again related fear they tell me that you should save for the old age you should save for the retirement mm-hmm. and uh, if i choose not to fear will my life experience i mean it's my life experience that will tell me actually 
and if it is not good i'll be dead already so it's okay you can you can save like what happened with the a few years ago there was that crash in the economy people in denmark i think iceland denmark in which country they've been saving their whole their national bank went kaput people have been diligently saving their whole lives the national bank went kaput then it's gone one of my aunts would attend every wedding every family function she was always there she was like the face of the family during covid she passed away nobody could nobody could meet her so she set up all the conditions for people to be there for her in her time but nobody could be there for her so we're not saying don't do it but it's uncertain you see we don't know what's going to happen mahatma gandhi was asked uh, will you will you buy life insurance <laughs> he said i'll think about it so he comes back a few days later he said i'm not going to buy so why so your life is always in danger they can assassinate you at any time he said no i'm not going to buy because i believe that god decided when i would be born and god decide will decide when i die and if when i die my family comes into hardship that is what they need for their enlightenment and if when i die my family comes into prosperity that is what they need for their enlightenment so i'm not going to buy life insurance now i'm not saying you shouldn't i'm just saying that that's a very radical point of view that he has surrendered to that extent and he trusts right and of course there's a paradox there as well he was the father of the nation but his own kids didn't consider him a good father so it's always this is like this life is full of these paradoxes great father whole country respects him he's on every single banknote but his own kids didn't think he was such a great father after all so you see you cannot please everybody in this world let's just get that let's just get that out of the way <laughs> no matter how i give this talk i can't please all of you so let me just please myself khud khushi <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tita, how old are you? I don't talk about my age, because and and the re- there's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. why I talk about the age because every age has got an assumption built in. If I say I'm 20 years, you'll have an assumption. 30 years, you'll have an assumption. I read a book called Healthy at 100, and uh, these people in these certain places called blue zones in the world. In blue zones, people tend to live over 100 more than more than the rest of the population, right? Most of the rest of the world. And one of their secrets is they don't talk about birthdays. They don't talk about their age. So it's always kind of hard. Are you ninety or are you hundred? Are you hundred and ten or are you hundred and twenty? It's kind of hard because they don't they don't worry about it. And the person who was writing the book is an ultra marathonist. He's himself he's himself super fit. He could not keep up with these centenarians. When they take their sheep out herding, they go out for days. He could not keep up with them. He's an ultra marathonist. He couldn't keep up with them. And they have a very different belief system. In that society, those societies, they say they'll wink at you and say, "Life begins at ninety. <laughs> Life begins at ninety." So yeah, by ninety you made all your mistakes. You've had all your affairs. You've made all you've done all the foolish stuff you had to do, and now you can really begin to enjoy. <laughs> But for many of us, already at thirty we're crying, forty we're crying. So I do not believe in this birthday business. Yeah, if the government forces me for Aadhaar card purposes, I'll say something. But I'm not really interested in these age things. So you can decide what my what my what my age is. And uh, and and because I think one of the reasons because I don't talk about my age. Uh, that's why it's a little hard to guess my age, which is why I think you should also not talk about your age. You can still celebrate, like like tomorrow. If okay, so tomorrow is my birthday actually. So tomorrow, friends are taking me out. So great, we'll celebrate. But it's not about the age; it's just about a gathering, having fun. My question was: uh, I used to watch a Project Nightfall. Okay, in uh, Facebook, he always says you are uh, women. He was very bad conditions before he started making the videos. So he always says that you don't live with the people who praise you. 
okay or who are uh, like with you means if i can't speak very good the uh, my people will uh, tease me okay that you can't speak good okay but uh, there is certain committee in the world which speaks very bad means these pronunciations are not clear so they will like you okay because they are they uh, they uh, they have match with you so what do you think he was right or he was wrong and secondly uh, my last question was i used to watch a tenai rama show okay so it uh, it will it uh, shows me very much that uh, you can live with humor you can live with practical solutions you can live with many ways so what do you think about that this is all right so first of all i don't believe in right and wrong you know what for me friendship is where the version of me that comes out i like that version of me so if you're with people who also are kind of sloppy with their language but you love the you love fooling around with them and making fun of the language and maybe coming up with your own language excellent go for it you know who's to who's to say what's good and what's bad what's right and what's wrong you have to ask yourself deep down and this is actually not a simple it's a not simple it is a simple question but it's pretty it this is a question that demands your whole attention that what is worth what is worthy of my time and attention what is worthy of my time attention and energy in this world what if i if you right now today had to decide what you want to dedicate the rest of your life to what would be worthy of dedicating the rest of your life to these are good questions to ask yourself now based on that in fact tomorrow morning from 8 to 9 am i am talking about my vision i think for me a good way of using my birthday is let me talk about how how i believe i can make the rest of my life the best of my life so i'm going to talk about my vision you can go to my youtube channel and watch it live right so then the community i attract will be based on those values those principles and that vision it's not based on arbitrary things like speak like for example uh yeah i'm sure if i hang out with very fit people athletic people i'm sure i'll become more fit hanging out with them but maybe that's not my highest yeah it's good to be fit but maybe my higher value is i want to hang out with emotionally fit people i want to i and and good to be physically fit as well but for me that's a higher value or i want to hang out with people who don't take themselves so seriously who can laugh at themselves so ultimately it's i don't think there's any right or wrong you can hang out with any any group any group of people and what are the thing about tenali lama rama i didn't fully get that No, my question was uh, the the show shows that uh, very much you can live with the humor. Okay, the li- problems come in your life. You can solve it with very uh, technically. You can say uh, with humor. You can say with all things. So, what do you think about it? Not only things. It is completely true. In fact, I do not even. Somebody asked me a very nice question the other day. Nitya, when was the last time you were upset for more than a week? I said, "Wow, what a question." So I had to really think hard. and i think the last time was somewhere around the age of 23 of course you don't know my current age so you don't know how long it's been but uh, it has been a, it has been a reasonably long time i said that's pretty cool i've never been i've been upset of course one gets upset once in a while but usually if i get about week is usually doesn't even last days you know it's i've never had a slump that long and not that i haven't had challenges in my life i mean my parents get sick my brothers had some challenges things happen I mean, I, I've had to force myself to think now what all has happened. I'm sure things have happened, but you see, it's I just see all of it as this is just life. This is not that it should be any other way. Suffering is arguing with reality. I love what you said. That's actually a great way to end today's session. That let's bring on that Tenali Rama attitude. That let's see it all as playful. Let's see it all as fun. Let's see it all as humorous. Rule number six: Let's not take life so serious. And for those of you who weren't in the beginning of the talk, you'll say, "What are the other rules?" You say, "There are no other rules." Then why is it called rule number six? 
don't take life so seriously <laughs> <laughs> i actually don't have so much of like a question but i could so much relate to everything that you just said i actually joined in very late around 11:30 something but everything that you said i didn't listen it i actually felt it thank you shreya and i think the reason you felt it is i was also not planning what i'm saying i was also just feeling it <laughs> just felt my way through the talk 